I remember when I told you that my keyboard got broken in a subtle way. Yeah. And yours did too in a similar time, and we thought maybe this is the OS X update thing. Yeah. And I said, no, it seems like a hardware problem. Uh-huh. It turns out it was a hardware problem. It also turns out that I'm a dumbest person on Earth. Turns out the F6 key, which I literally never use, got physically stuck in the pressed position. And it was this way for a month, and I never noticed. And today I got it unstuck, and now everything works. We cannot invest in people, because what happens when they leave? Yeah, but what happens if you don't invest in people and they stay? In three, two, or wait, one. Wait, wait, because someone is just walking by. Jesus. Hello, I'm Michael. I'm Radek. And this is The Podcast. A sounding board for interesting ideas and insights. We discuss books we read and want to share with you, as well as technology and productivity, which is what we do by day working on our app, Nosby. Or whatever else comes to mind. But it looks like we're doing the books the books again um, this week. The books and productivity. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's true, that's true. Uh, but I think before we start, I think you have a little PSA for our listeners. What do you mean? Uh, aren't you the listener hearing this on a Tuesday, not a Wednesday? True story. We, because of our, our TGIF Friday arrangement that we discussed in our episode number 60, we have also, um, rescheduled not only our weekly review for Friday, but also we rescheduled our podcast recording. Mm -hmm. We record every Wednesday or Thursday at the latest. Yes. Actually, this one is on Thursday, but you know, don't tell anyone. So, um, and we will publish the each podcast um, on Tuesday. So you're going to have it even earlier in the week. So you have more time to consume our favorite, uh, fantastic content and uh, mm. contemplate uh, the words of wisdom that will uh, reach your yes. head. Engage with our brand. <laughs> we used to do this on Fridays, uh, but because Friday is going to be a different day, uh, we thought, okay, so we have to do it earlier. We don't want to do it on, on a Friday. And so we thought, okay, we'll do it on Wednesdays, because on Wednesdays we already have the design fight, uh, which is something we discussed on one of the earlier episodes. I'll put the link in the show notes. And so we thought, okay, so we'll do, uh, like, after the design fight, we're pretty useless anyway, so let's just do uh, design fight, the podcast, and nothing else in the day. What, what of course, you don't want to say is that we are useless, so we are going to discuss, yeah, to, to, that, to record bad. a podcast that's as bad. two useless guys. Yeah. But um, uh, what you actually meant was that <laughs> after the design fight, we are really tired because it's a really... Um, uh, demanding meeting mm. so after that we just want to just have something some lunch relax and just talk and brainstorm cool ideas here on air with you yeah if we spent already two and a half hours talking um and productively again uh, see the episode in the show notes then we might as well talk some more uh, it's like really difficult when you start the day preparing for design fight and then talking for two and a half hours to like like programming work for example it just it's hard to switch to that mode when you start a day like that uh but continuing with recording that's fine but i also didn't want to like record and before we record publish last week's episode so uh we'll be publishing on tuesday because of that yeah and i think it makes it makes more sense to have it earlier in the week so tuesday it is let's see how it goes tuesday it is okay so uh this week 
We'll be discussing uh, Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg. We both read his previous book, The Power of Habit, and I believe we both really enjoyed it. We did. So I think this is the reason, one of the biggest reasons why we noticed this book. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, this is the thing. I mean, after his credentials from the last book, you know, this was an obvious choice. And again, it's an it's a productivity book. So uh, yeah, we should be reading productivity books uh, if we want to just uh, improve ourselves and improve our productivity and just also see if there's anything actually new to be said. Uh, that's right. Uh, so I think the plan is, so the book had kind of two... It was a collection of stories and ideas. And most of these ideas were like personal, like they're related to you and your productivity and your decision-making and focus and whatever. Uh, so you could discuss that first. And it also had some ideas related to teams, uh, how to, you know, companies, culture, collaboration. Uh, so you could discuss this later. Uh, but first, tell me, Michael, what, what did you think about the book in general? Like, uh, what the book was to you? How do you, um, I don't know, how would you rate it? All right. So um, it was good. Uh, it wasn't brilliant, uh, uh, but it was good. Uh, what I liked about the book were, 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 as you said, the stories. Because the stories were, like, n- not the usual stories you would get, you know, like like we we very often say that you know we get the same the same you know similar stories yeah. by reading you know similar books um this way it wasn't the case i mean um, and especially because i actually was for example was reading a lot about the the, the air france um flight uh-huh. before the book i was reading a whole article about that and, and analyzes why uh, the flight uh, didn't make it and um and uh, i like the stories uh, and yeah, and for me they were great, and I have lots of notes here. But um, what I really liked about the book was uh, the, actually the ending. So I'm gonna you know spoiler alert here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the book, he, I mean, the author just sums it up very nicely and gives like really good actionable you know items. To, to, to continue and actually uh, it was my favorite part of the book actually I re- reread it or re-listened to it I think like five or six times oh, yeah? uh, to, to let the content sink in hmm. yeah uh, this book like many books uh, I've been reading this year were, was not exactly what I expected it to be I would say um, I like first of all uh, there was a high bar right I, I enjoyed uh, the power of habit really much and that was like two or three years ago, so maybe I would I would think of it differently now. But then I really liked it, so I I had high expectations, right? And the book I think, like the Power of Habit, uh, had a lot of stories. Uh, the author isn't a scientist; he is a a reporter. He's like um, a, yeah. an, an investigation reporter uh, kind of guy, uh, and so like. So he's an interesting person to write this kind of book, right? Uh, but what makes it interesting is because of it, like he writes um, about these concepts through the lens of of stories and and kind of um, case studies, which was interesting. Uh, I was also kind of surprised about the content of the book because it was started as, hey, this is a productivity book, and I had I had like some a vague notion of what a productivity book is. And it was very mm-hmm. different from it. Um, it was about a lot of 
it was about a broader topic, I think. Uh, I, I'm not sure I would call it productivity because it was like about, yeah, about like mental models and focus and goal setting yeah. and how to collaborate in teams and how to like um, spread responsibility and creativity and innovation in companies. Like, yeah, they're connected, but it was not exactly what I expected. Yeah, and um, especially the earlier chapter, chapters, um, also about, for example, Toyota and stuff, um, it, there were, like, I was, um, you know, being the CEO of the company, I'm, 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 you know, I'm looking at, you know, through my lens, you know, at what he's saying. And, and, uh, and uh, like, the, the earlier things were, were um, like, like, you know, how you motivate people, you know, how motiv- you might motivate yourself, how you motiv- motiv- motivate people, right. how, how you work together, you know, the, the, this, this whole thing about, you know, sense of control and everything, you know, all these things, uh, you know, presented by, a, as you said, a reporter, um, helped me uh, understand these concepts and helped me make sure that, you know, he did a thorough, you know, background check on these things. So they should, should be right. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I, I don't want to like <laughs> d- discourage um, listeners from the book before we even uh, discuss the contents of it, but uh, I was a bit disappointed about um, the way the book was synthesized because it, uh-huh. it felt to me like he got some like really, really awesome stories uh, told very well, and then he would like awkwardly connect and glue them together so that they they fit the broader point he's trying to make in a way that seemed just awkward and even though i got i got the you know quite a lot of value from the book which is why we're discussing it um but it it was at times weird the way he would tell interesting stories and then he would make a broader point which is like seemed only tangentially related to the story he just told that seemed weird. Anyway, so how do how do you want to proceed? I mean, what do you what like should we just start, you know, pointing out things from the book or how do you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, take your notes or whatever. What's what's one of the concepts you found interesting? Okay, so for me a very useful concept was and something that he repeated at the end of the book, as I said, uh, was the concept of the stretch goal and the smart goals. Because the whole thing with the smart goals, you know, the smart acronym, you know, specific, measurable, blah 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 is I hate this. Yeah, so it's 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 weird, but he gave really good practical examples, you know. And and for example, there, there was this example at the end of the book, like how he is searching for an you know for this aviation expert for his story on the Air France thing. I mean, you know, to to prove this and this point, and right. um, how he goes about this, you know, he that he creates this this you know this stretch goal, and then this this you know this smart you know ideas you know it has to be specific you know i want to do this i'm going to be doing this i'm going to have you know these problems but i'm going to just you know measure this like this and then once this happens i'm going to do that so like i really like the structure and uh, this is something i've been experimenting right now myself with a few tasks that i couldn't like move forward and uh, so far so good so uh, i'm going to report on this you know Mm. later down the line at some point when I've succeeded with that but um, but for me this this combination of this inspirational thing you know I want to achieve that right. and then some you know 
like pairing that with some you know with these smart goals i mean with this you know specific and measurable thing yeah uh, makes sense i absolutely despise the whole smart thing like i don't even know what the acronym is like it it repeats those same ideas like smart measurable yeah i forgot the rest it, it, it's like it doesn't even matter the point is sm- uh, specific and measurable and like i i just find it really awkward how and even in his examples how he would like <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to use this word. Stretch the 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 the, the idea of a smart goal to just fit the system, the 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 template of what a smart goal is. I, I hate that. But but the broader point uh, is is like even though I would never call this a smart goal, I wouldn't I wouldn't think of it like like in this in this system. Uh, the broader point it, it was very good. Um, so uh, Charles Duhigg, he 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 explained this uh, this concept in psychology called the need for cognitive closure, which is like yeah. the desire for firm answers, the aversion for ambiguity, right? Like the uh, the 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 high desire to like be specific, right? Just you know, make up your mind and like stick to it. And like it makes a lot of sense in in general, right? Successful people tend to have high need for closure. Uh, you know, if you're successful, your your life is probably organized. You know what you're doing. You've decided on your stuff. You planned it out. You you're you're not you're not you know walking in the dark. You know, not not knowing fully decided what you're doing. So the need for closure is is highly desirable until it's not. And and, yeah. and he made some stories about like why but 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 in general the point is when when this is not in check it makes you close-minded it makes you unwilling to change Mm. your opinion it makes you over decisive you know you're you're focused on the specific and measurable and and so he he gave this example of uh, ge which you know they they uh i think they came up with the smart goal system and like (laughs) he gave examples of like every ordinary worker coming up with smart goals and like it costs people to expend energy on the most inconsequential goals. Because if you're only taught to make specific goals, you're only pursuing specific goals, which are like super small-minded, right? You, you won't pursue anything that you don't know, don't yet know how to achieve. You're like bend everything to the will of the smart goal system. And like, once you've decided that and, and decided like very precisely what you're trying to do, it's like, this is it. And that's no way to go. So like you need this these these stretch goals these ambitious ambitious goals you can't yet explain how to achieve, uh, but if you only you know if you don't know how to achieve it then you, if you only have those kinds of goals then they're vague and you're stuck you're overwhelmed you don't know what what to do with them so uh, so so the book explained those two concepts to like give a, a very like specific recommendation that you should start for from like stretch goals but like successively and like everything else that that you can specify you know break break it down into more and more concrete tasks this way you've planned you 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 know what you're doing uh you have the cognitive closure uh which also helps but 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 you still always keep an eye on the grander goal yeah on the big picture and and this is you know this is one of the ideas behind you know last uh, last week's episode and TGIF in our company you know that we have this moment on Friday when we do the review and we 
go through our goals, you know, through our, you know, last week's goals, next week's goals, you know, our grounder goals for the whole year or for next month or whatever we have set there to have this time to review them and to be in check. And because otherwise, I think if we don't dis do this review, as you said, you will just be have this cognitive closure and just keep on doing things without actually seeing the big stuff, seeing why you're running where you're running. Yeah. And like, I, I totally noticed that in, in uh, you know, at Nosby, how sometimes people, you too, uh, would have the like very obvious need for closure. Like, yeah, let's just figure it out. Let's just decide, uh, make a decision and go with it. Make a decision and move on. Yeah. And sometimes that's exactly what you need, but not when you're working on something that is this grand, big picture, this ambitious goal, this, this thing that, that has to be figured out first. Right, and and you you have to be really careful with that. You you need this this need for cognitive closure to actually get stuff done, but you have to be careful with it because, yeah, like I said, it can make you over decisive, too impatient, to to actually figure stuff out before you you do them. Yeah, totally. And um, <laughs> now, <laughs> like. As I said, you know, so little time. I mean, you know, I mean, this actually, I mean, reading this book just made me realize how, you know, how important it was to write these bigger goals down and mm. and and just review them more often. And I have to admit that you know, in the last years, I haven't been doing that. I know I have, I've had like this vague, more or less thing that what I wanted to achieve, but mm. but but I, I wasn't really, you know, I I wasn't really sometimes you know in line with what i wanted to achieve and 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 um ah. and the thing is that the problem because the problem is that you know we have these quick wins that just make us feel happy so we focus on the quick wins and and we just don't we, we don't even realize that we are derailed derailed right now that we are just going just different direction ah so what what you're saying is that we would focus on the 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 things that 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 are easy to be specific about but but yep. the grander goals would would be so overwhelmed with that we'd just never keep it in check exactly mm. that's actually so, that's i haven't i haven't noticed this this point but that's exactly true when i think of my goals for this year uh just personal goals like some of them we talked about the the dietary thing the the book reading uh, all sorts of stuff like making goals and like decisions about what I'm trying to do at the beginning of the year, the so-called, you know, new year resolution, it never worked. And this year it really does work, but only because I I make this very specific kind of a weekly review where each week I make specific, yeah, specific and often like easily measurable uh, goals and tasks for each week uh, that derive from the the big goal, the the stretch goal for the year. Exactly, and that's that's you know that's that's why that's why this mixture is really important, and this is you know this takeaway from this book is really uh, crucial. Mm. The the other thing um, I wanted to talk about is that um, is the whole Toyota factory story thing. Sure. It uh, it was it was a really good story again, <laughs> very thorough story, um, a very good one. What really stood out was that moment when this Japanese guy was standing, you know, next to this American worker mm -hmm. and and begged him, literally begged him to stop 
the 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 the, the, fa- the factory to stop the yeah. the production process and when he finally achieved that and we just he just pulled the lever with with the guy and stopped the 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 the, the process the production process he apologized to him you know the, the this you know the this, manager the manager apologized to the worker i'm sorry i failed you i'm sorry i didn't tell you why this was so important i didn't we didn't work on this enough and it's my fault and please accept my apologies you know i'll try better next time right and this blew my mind this was so japanese so good yeah but i, I almost cried when i read it yeah but this is something that luckily i think i don't know luckily i for i don't know for which reason but luckily i get it i, I actually um i have it i mean i have it in a way that i take the blame i always take the blame i never yeah. like I hate people. <laughs> I hate people that don't take the blame, you know? Because, yeah. you know, if somebody does something wrong in our company, it's something, you know, it's not something right. The first thing I think about is not their mistake. Is I'm, I'm, I'm already going, you know, I'm already, you know, I'm, you know, far, far, far away already from that. I'm thinking, which mistakes of mine led to this person making this mistake what i have omitted mm. you know at some point what have i done or have i not done so that this person did this mistake right i'm 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 going there you know first and then later you know i analyze the whole thing but 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 for me the first thing is to take the blame uh myself because the box stops, stops with me and analyze it what could i have done better to prevent this what could i have done better to make it you know better actually so so to first to apologize actually <laughs> as the Toyota guy and think what um, could I because because if we I mean if we do that if we first because if we start searching for scapegoat you know for somebody to take the blame you know then we don't get anywhere but for this you know Japanese guy it was obvious this guy didn't realize how important it is to stop the, the production process mm-hmm. and he didn't realize it because he didn't have enough training or enough you know uh, um, uh, he wasn't you know enough training or enough uh, um, he didn't feel enough confident enough to do that you know yeah. like all these things so he knew that it's not this person's fault it's their fault because they haven't provided that and and I really get this mindset and I think this mindset is really important for everyone to you know, to focus when when there is a mistake, to focus on on you know, <laughs> apologizing to yourself, you know, basically, and thinking what could have I done better, and learn from that right away. Just go to the you know, what uh, we, we discussed before. You know, mm. this is a problem. Bring me the problem. Now let's figure out a solution. You know, this is and 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 instead of you know, let's find a scapegoat. Let's let you know let let's blame them, and 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 move on. Yeah, it really reminds me of the other book. Um... Your brain at work, mm-hmm. and there's this idea of playing against yourself. Uh, it was about one of the like primary, uh, you know, f- things that that can cause a a, f- a very strong threat response in us, which is like status. When you when you feel like your status is is threatened, um, this 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 doesn't feel good. This this is really bad, and and the, and the problem is that like especially like in a um, in a culture like in, in a company where where uh, where people are not like 
haven't learned to question everything and question one another's ideas, it, it, it can really, you know, feel bad because uh, I, I want to give feedback. I want to, like, uh, question an idea because I want to get to something better. But what it feels like to the other person is I'm questioning their, their status. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, like, showing that they don't know, you know, they don't know anything. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're not good. Uh, they don't deserve to be where they are, uh, and that sucks. Uh, and like one in- one way to to kind of work around it, uh, like to to work around this this kind of uh, response is is when you when you kind of gain the the feeling of of status by playing against yourself, uh, by making yourself better and being better than than the the past you. And this way, you you gain the feeling of status, which is which is also a very strong positive, um, uh, you know, emotion, uh, without causing uh, anyone else to feel like like their status is depreciated. And what you're saying is is kind of interesting because it's it's similar. Uh, if you blame someone, that's you know what 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 the other person who 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 kind of takes the blame that's that that's not a, a fun position to be at but when you but when when you or you know anyone uh thinks of themselves as the person who always takes the blame when, when you you know take the blame just automatically uh, without being blamed you're kind of again playing against yourself you're you're thinking of of problems and solutions you're making yourself and the whole system better when we're talking about a company but you're not like you know challenging someone else to to you know uh to feel like crap yeah i have an article you know on that on my blog i remember take the blame uh it's it's really your fault learn from it mm-hmm. and uh, there is this article it, it 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 talks about it because i mean what we haven't said here is that the, the story was that you know the worker was trying to fix the car and he was like he was approaching the end of his you know stint and and he knew that he would not be able to um to fix the car and 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 i mean to 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 assemble it properly so he should have you know stopped the car do it right and then continue with the factory right. uh, with the factory with the production process and he was there he, he was taught in the us you know style not to stop by no means stop the production process and never in, in, in ever Toyota, stop the line don't ever stop the line and in the in in, in, in japan is the other way around if there is an, a problem stop the line right away fix it and let's continue because they they, they it's, it's not like you know the, the US companies were saying you know if we stop the line we lose I mean that amount of money you know every minute or something yeah. and but the, but the problem was the quality because if the car is not properly done then uh, it would just you know be have some really serious mistake and it would just be you know derailed and then it would be fixed and it will be actually more costly to actually fix the car yeah and it wouldn't be as good as you know as, as if you'd done it right from the start Ex- the first time exactly so um so 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 this is really amazing and this is an amazing lesson for 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 everyone and and yeah, something what, what you said is that because i like this concept that you know instead of instead of you know blaming people and and, and focusing on others you again what we discussed in this, our design fight you know why we fight mm. is that 
we talk about concepts and we talk about things and we don't we are not threatened by our status within the the group we are threatened by the fact that we can create a rubbish application we don't want that yep. so this is our threat and this is our big picture and and we we are allowed to question everything if because we everybody has the same goal right. there and 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 this is what also the Japanese person was trying to convey to the American guys. I mean, your goal is to have a perfect car. So so yeah. this is your goal, not you know nothing else. So you know if if it, if 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 it takes you know if if, if 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 this is what it takes you know to stop the production process, just do it. And it wasn't about the blame uh, only. It was about responsibility. Uh, like the the story was um, at the Japanese factory. The Japanese worker um, he he messed up a a. Um, a threading and what he did is he stopped the line and his manager came up to him to take commands from the worker so that the manager can help the worker resolve the problem on the spot and and and, and that was amazing this inversion of responsibility that uh, this idea that you know you you screwed up you just stopped the line your manager is walking up to you to help you and take commands from you to you know to to do whatever it takes to help you resolve the problem that's amazing yeah this was um i, I remember i first you know encountered this this concept uh, when i was reading a book by stephen covey and there was this whole you know thing of on, on empowerment and 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 he said that the the boss or the manager the manager's job is to be an assistant to people he's managing you know yeah. to be an to be to be resourceful helpful person who who should help yeah he's you know his subordinates to get their thing done because they are the experts i mean they are there for a reason and you as a manager should enable their work as good as you can yeah the person closest to the problems has the greatest expertise about that particular problem and so it would be wasteful not to give them authority to act on it exactly exactly so really you know fantastic concept right there in this book and really the story is uh, the way he wrote it actually i almost cried when when this thing you know happened there so yeah yeah so again uh push responsibility down to people who have the most direct contact with a problem right like uh the the worker who 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 threads holes uh at the auto factory knows the most about the way the the thread should be done so like of course uh this person should be able uh, and should be feel obliged to stop the the production line to just fix it right and 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 like why create this uh this bottleneck where you have to go through like two levels of hierarchy to be allowed to do something which you know best just the way it should be done in the first place and and you know and this is why this is why uh when 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 i retell the story of you know of me founding nosby and you know hiring the first programmer the first programmer i hired uh was a person that I made sure that he was just way better than me. You know, I wanted to have a way better programmer because, mm. you know, he is going to be the expert of actually doing the programming, not me anymore, you know? Yeah. So like, I was still programming then, helping them, helping him out. But 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 that's the idea, you know, this is what you do. So, and now, for example, also in our company, what we're doing is we're trying to, um, to hire more experts because, as you said, I mean, these are, I mean, you know, we have a dev team that's experts, but you know, also in marketing, for example, we're trying to right now hire really experts in certain domains, right? Instead of you know trying to do something you know half you know way done. 
No, I mean, this is obvious. You know, of course you hire the best people for the job. The idea is like how stupid it is to hire the best person for the job and then make them uh, slower and worse at their job by requiring right. them to ask for permission for, for, for anything. Like this is stupid. And like for, for so many things, uh, like often it, it makes sense because you, you have to get a, a, um, a broader perspective or you're embarking mm-hmm. on a big project. So like it, it would be, you know, not good to like start it without the right idea. Uh, but, but for like tr- more trivial things, like, you know, why we, we just, we just found it so many times where it's much easier in the long, uh, in the long run when like every once in a while you have to revisit a decision made by someone on the spot. Exactly. Because, well, okay, maybe it should be done a different way, but this happens, you know, what, uh, once every 10 times, uh, it's easier to like fix it, uh, than, than ask, you know, for, for every decision to be, to be, uh, to, to go through this bottleneck, uh, often, often someone who, doesn't actually know better and this this sometimes i mean this brings us back to this to this famous quote you know the don't don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness yeah you know <laughs> that's that's what i've been doing <laughs> that's good yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also this like stems from from the idea that you know it, it's it's what we talked i think uh, about last time the idea of of trusting your employees uh, yeah. feels so foreign to a lot of people in companies, but like you know, and most people have jobs where like they're not giving any permission, any responsibility, like any any power whatsoever. It's it's like this this um, dehumanizing often uh, environment to a bigger or lesser extent, of course. But 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 still, it it's it doesn't feel like. You know, you can you can just just make the right decision on the spot, and so like, of course, you often end up not caring. Like, of course, when you're a worker at a at a factory, you don't care when you're you know treated a particular way. But uh, there, I think it was also a quote from, from the book. Uh, people don't don't wake up thinking, oh, I want to suck at my job, right? <laughs> yeah, that's you know, pe- people don't don't want to suck at at, at their jobs. So like. If you if you don't hire just you know bad people for the job, then yeah, then just you know trust them to to do the job. You know, give them the tools they need and get them out of the way. Yeah, and if they fail, it means that also you failed by giving them enough resources or enough you know things or you know just figure out what what you have what you could have done better mm. for them to be even better at their job. Yeah, and the related idea is. There's this uh, study, this 15-year study of Silicon Valley companies, and uh, these researchers f- uh, found these five uh, types of companies. And I think it was also mentioned in Originals, uh, which is also a really good book. I, uh, I think we discussed it. I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. And they found like uh, some companies were like star-led, where like everyone was like an A star, and like everyone was the best, or you know something like that. Uh, this other kind of company where like it was like engineer crossy <laughs> you know where the engineers were the the best were the bosses i mean that's silicon valley so that's not very um surprising uh, bureaucracies uh which is you know obvious uh auto- autocracies which is the same but in the end everything just stems from this one guy 
well, almost always a guy, uh, coming up with all of the decisions and you better not dare question his decisions. And then there was this weird um, kind of type of a company, this, this commitment firm where like people are, are hired, um, you know, not, not because they're a star or not hired to like, to carry, carry out commands from this autocrat. Rather, people are hired because they care, because they, they're like interested in the idea. And, and like the, the, the whole, like the, the ultimate boss, so to speak, uh, is the idea, is, is, is the goal. And like everyone is um, kind of calibrated around that. And that's kind of, that, that kind of seems old fashioned, you know, to like hire people to keep them for a very long time and like focus on an idea. That's weird. Um, but in the end, what I said uh, last, uh, last week, those kinds of companies might grow slow and steady and organic, but their employees do stick around for long. When, when, you're, when it's about a goal, and the company treated this way gives you authority, gives you trust, and just treats you well. It's it's not about being the A star or just again carrying out commands. Then you want to stick around, and and thus you dodge uh, the big hidden cost. Uh, you know the the company dodges the the cost of you know everything you lose when an employee leaves and and takes you know their 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 ideas, their insights, their skills, or their clients in some kinds of companies to another company. Yeah, I mean, this was always like something that I, I, I never, I never understood from from many companies. Like, why, like, why would you hire really bright people and just them treat them really bad and <laughs> just let them let them walk away? You know, counting on some of them just because they will stick around, stick around because of inertia. You know, because they're already there, and you know, yeah. And, and you know, it's like is this this okay, again this famous quote? You know, we're we're going to just you know start with quotes and everything. But mm-hmm. let's like, we cannot invest in people because what happens when they leave? Yeah, but what happens if you don't invest in people and they stay? Yeah, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like you know when uh, when you go work for a for a big corporation, uh, you're almost surely going to be paid more than at a small company at a startup of some sort but it's like it's not because it's not necessarily because it's a better job it's more like it's it's a it's a tax on the fact that this job will suck (laughs) and i don't know you'd have to pay me a lot more or i don't know if you could pay me enough to like (laughs) to to get me to work at, at this you know, um, the humanizing environment of most corporations. Well, I remember, you know, back in college, I got a, a, a gig when I was doing some, like, some kind of, you know, technology thing. And I just didn't like this particular technology, what I was, you know, doing. But I, of course, I, I'm, I'm smart. So I learned the technology and I was, you know, doing this thing. And while doing this thing for the customer, and I got it, for, like, for a really lot of money. I was, well, like... I, 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 I was promised a big paycheck. I mean, big paycheck, you know, when you're a student, everything is a big paycheck, actually. <laughs> uh, so, so for that, it was, it was my biggest, you know, paycheck to date. And it was the first time I was like, doing something on the computer while cursing all the time. And, mm. and I learned my lesson that it's the last time and it's the last job that I accepted that I'm going to be doing cursing. You know, no money is going to compensate me for doing something while cursing. You know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I prefer to take less money, but just not curse. 
you know, <laughs> I enjoy my work. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> okay, so we just discussed like two or three ideas from this book and we're almost running out of time. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I think we'll do uh, one more. Uh, one that, that I liked uh, was this 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 uh, this mental model of of um, thinking probabilistically. Oh yeah, well it was it was really high thing for me. I mean, it was it was hard to understand actually at some point. Really? Yeah. All right. Uh, so there, there was a story about um, this 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 poker player. Exactly. And the big point. Um, I'll skip the story. The the big point is that. Uh, life is a lot like the poker table. Uh, you just don't 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 know. There, there's no certainties. You you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the best you can do is you can look at the the set of possible futures, which is is the first lesson. Just don't you know don't don't think like you know or don't know the future. It's more like you know imagine the future as as one of ways it could go. Right. Yep. And you have a set of possible futures, and you can weigh and and judge them. Right. You can assess or at least uh, approximate the uh, the probability that that each of those futures will actually occur. Uh, you don't know for sure anything. There's no certainties, but there are probabilities. There are clues there are ways you can assess what's more likely and the thing is humans br- human brains are really good at this at this kind of thing at thinking probabilistically at uh, the bayesian inference and we mm-hmm. like we instinctively weigh different options to choose the most likely outcome like this is how we process like almost all information uh, our, our our brains are, are very much uh, probabilistic uh, machines like we even will intuitively select the like uh, there's an example of of how um, they ask uh, random participants about uh, you know say this monarch has been on the throne for this many years how many years you think uh, it's likely that he'll continue being the, the monarch or, uh, or or the same for a um uh, just for a person, like say this, uh, this person is forty years uh, old. Like, how many years do you think it's likely that that this person will will live? Right. And like the the point is for like different uh, situations, a different uh, distribution model uh, is appropriate. Um, some distributions are random. Uh, some follow a power uh, a power curve. Some follow a, a normal bell curve or an airline curve. And we, we will intuitively select the appropriate distribution model. Like, we're really good at this, uh, except for the biases, right? Y- you, you will often make wrong decisions because you don't consider uh, the actual kind of normal rate of what's likely and what's unlikely. Uh, and one big uh, bias that uh, I often have to... Uh, remind myself of is the survivorship bias, which is we we don't read, we don't think about failures because if something failed, it doesn't get to us, right? We only see stuff that succeeded. We read books that succeeded. We see companies that succeeded. 
Like we, uh, the information we take in is heavily biased towards stuff that succeeded and not stuff that failed, uh, which, um, which changes the the, the equation of, of how we um, judge the world and how we weigh uh, likelihoods of what's likely to happen, right? Because we we think success is more likely than it actually is. And so the I think the important part of, of this of this lesson is that you have to really like seed your, your 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 base rate. You have to expose yourself to the full spectrum of experiences. You have to, you know, read about companies that fail. Think about the mistakes you've made after a workday. You know, don't don't just come back and think, oh, here are all the great things you've done, right? I mean if 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 you don't need particular motivation, like if you don't already, f- you know, feel bad, then then no, no, don't don't think about all the things you did well. Think of all the things that you did wrong, right? Just calibrate the best you can. Calibrate your your brain and the experiences and uh, ideas you expose yourself with to reality, and then our brains are really good at making intuitive probabilistic decisions, but you have to calibrate it first. Yeah, I mean, you know, we um, when when we started embracing, you know, this kind of agile, you know, uh, method of developing software, and one of the parts of that is when you have a sprint, then at the end you have lessons learned, mm. and 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 this is actually a, as 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 you as you mentioned, is a great concept that you know that we stop and we have lessons learned. We start analyzing, okay, what went wrong, what went right, you know, where we could have done something better. We actually take the time to have lessons learned and not just say, yeah, we did a new version, we are great, you know, everything is fantastic, let's move on, like let, let's move forward, let's plow forward, right? Yeah, and sometimes you really have to do it explicitly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's important to to be aware and try to overcome the cognitive biases uh, we're, we're, we're prone to. Uh, and sometimes it's worth to explicitly think of things um, again in terms of possible futures, possible outcomes, and try. You you can't calculate it certainly, but but you can often like seek information to weigh probabilities of different outcomes. And you know as you as you gain more information, you can calibrate your kind of uh, you know Bayesian model better and better, and you can you can figure out what's actually worth doing. And and sometimes sometimes it's it's really helpful. Uh, it's really helpful to calibrate your brain so you can make intuitive decisions better. And sometimes it's worth taking a step back and also think of things probabilistically uh, when 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 the the right answer is uncertain uh, and do it explicitly. And and very consciously decides is something worth it. Yeah, there are two two phrases I, I I jotted down from the book: learn to live with probabilities. So that that's 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 the, that's the one, and it's, and it's strong if you think about it. You know, to learn to live with probabilities, like that to to really realize that you know each path is just a probability. Mm. And then second, nobody is right all the time. So <laughs> yes. something that also to keep in mind. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we'll get back to this book in the next episode. There's there's still things to discuss, but we're running all along, so uh, I think we'll cut it cut it short here.